Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode six of the Adam's Mystery Podcast. Adam's Mystery Playhouse is Colorado's only full-time mystery dinner theater. I'm your co-host, Nick Guida, and with me today, for a change, my partner in crime, Marn Wills Quayar. How are you today, Marn? Woohoo! Yeah, I yeah I, I I can't even say words anymore, Nick. I just am, I'm reduced to sound effects. Well, get ready for some more unbelievable news. We've done it again, set a trend with our podcast. Apparently, the word is that giant marble fish statue sales are up seventy five percent this year. Seriously. Yeah. Although are- on the flip side, this is the bad news. Fife and Drum duo bookings have dried up. <laughs> Thanks to us, people have no no more faith. Can you believe that they have no faith in fife and drum duo? And Nick, you, you know, you 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 were giving me kind of a hard time about the fife and drum and the fact that we didn't have it. And I said, but you know what my motto is: just say yes. That is true. I'd say, but but Marn, they they want a Mongolian nose flute player. Just say yes. Yeah. But anyway, moving on. To today's episode, who is our guest today? Well, our guest today is Joshua Rudisell. Joshua, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Woohoo! Like I said, <laughs> you know that's that's a that's a difficult name, Marn. How yeah. are you able to remember how to pronounce it? Rudisell. Well, it's very easy. I just think of people who are snotty when you go to buy something. They're Rud- Rudisell. Although I think your wife says something different than that, doesn't she, Joshua? Oh, yeah. She's got a more adult version of it. She says, I'm rude as hell. <laughs> well. But she chose to take the name, so, you know, that's on her, too. Is it? Yeah. Did she hyphenate it? No, no. She just straight up took it. I don't know. I think I would have gone for a hyphen. But <laughs> no offense. No offense, Josh. No offense. <laughs> yeah, like um, if her maiden name was Buddy, she could be Buddy hyphen rude as hell. <laughs> why, why Buddy? That one. I don't know. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to explain that joke to me. <laughs> it, well, if you have to explain them, they're not funny, right? I know, and I, I'm. I was gonna mention that behind your back. Well, I have a question for Joshua, and at. You know, I've had so much fun working with you, and we didn't get very much chance to work together until uh, the COVID started, And but we'll be back again, and it's going to be fun. Again, I remember you saying, because I said something to you about why did you, or how did you find us, or why did you look for us, and you said something about your family told you that you should get into dinner theater. Did, am mm. I remembering correctly? Yeah, you are. It was actually my mom that said that I should get into dinner theater. I did musicals all growing up and uh, through college, so it seemed like a pretty good fit. So I'd, when I got to Colorado, I moved from California after living there for three years, and we got up to Colorado. I started looking for dinner theaters around. I actually sent a few messages to a few of them, and you guys were the only one to respond. Yeah, well, that just shows how good we are. <laughs> yeah, right? Professional. <laughs> Yeah, very, very professional. But it's been fun to have you. The other thing that I, little story that I want to say, and I don't know why this cracked me up so much, but when we do the kid shows, uh, the performers all have to set out the chairs. It's not just star, you walk in and, oh my goodness, you're on the stage and everyone's adoring you. And so we put together the clue packets and we set out the chairs and you were over there just whistling and moving the chair mover around and 10 stacks of 10 chairs. <laughs> And I said, well, thank you for your good attitude. 
And do you remember what you said? Oh, yeah. I've been setting up chairs and taking down chairs for all my life at church. You know, my dad was a pastor. So every day all the kids would get roped in and tear down, set up chairs. So I think I've stacked thousands and thousands of chairs in my life. (laughs) Well, you're a professional at it. We also need to get Mm -hmm. you, since you've done musical theater, we need to get you to sing. Why don't you sing a bar of something for us? (laughs) Yeah, let's not. But let's. But let's not put him on the spot, Marty. <laughs> whatever, whatever we do. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard you sing, have I? Yeah, I thought you heard have me I? sing when we and I came into audition. Oh, that's right. You do some of the old, uh, not cronies. What are those called? Crooners. <laughs> One of the old cronies. <laughs> I think you, are you thinking the of old, the word cro- crooner? Crooners, the the old <laughs> crooner songs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you? Yeah. What did you sing at the audition? Oh, not oh, Black uh, Magic. You sang uh, no, something was, from uh, Sinatra, right? Or somewhere over the sea, uh, Bobby. Darin. Oh, that's it. Bobby Darin was probably my favorite old crony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but after that audition, and we started asking you to be in shows. It seems to me that every time uh, we asked you to be in a show, it was a different show. Yeah, there was one where I had, uh, I think it was three different uh, scripts in one week, which was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is not uncommon. You oh, missed no. in the old, in the olden days, and I this happened more than once. But mm-hmm. Marn would find somebody, and we were usually stuck. The call would be like five thirty or six, and she'd be on the phone with them at four thirty, telling them <laughs> the script over the phone. Oh, and then, and then you come in the show, and then you say <laughs> she would, she would like be, oh my she would be giving people their part, and wouldn't even they wouldn't even well the scripts. Don't worry about the script. I'll just I'll just tell you how it goes, and she would like go through the whole show, and she'd be doing like all the voices. Yeah. And, oh, wow. yeah, and then they would show up and do the show. Yeah, well, and, and, and Nick, part of that was desperation because we would either, somebody would either call in sick or we would be so busy that it'd be like, oh my gosh, we don't have enough people. And then I'd run into somebody in the grocery store and say, oh my gosh, you, you could do this. You look, seem like you could be an act. You know, if they had any personality <laughs> at all. And then I could get them on the phone and, do, and talk them through the show. When people audition for the murder mysteries, and you probably remember this, Joshua, first we do a little reading from the script, and then we do a little improv to see if people can think on their feet. And then uh, I ask people, do you have any special talents? You know, are you a dancer? Are you a singer? And that's probably when you said, yes, I I'm going to sing uh, Under the Sea and stuff like that. I'll never forget when I auditioned Tina Phillips, and she's down in Florida now and did some mysteries down there uh, through us, which was fun. And I asked her, "What do you have any other special talents? And she said, well, I can make my eyeballs pop out. <laughs> oh. But it really, it was just kind of rolling her eyes really fast. And uh, gotcha. well, that's a heck of a talent. You know, that's uh, very unique. That's absolutely true. When Marn, as long as I've known Marn, whenever anyone comes in, it was more, I, it's, I, this, now it's more, can you sing? I think <laughs> mostly when they audition for, for shows. But in the old days, it was, do you have any unique talents? And I don't remember if this person pitched it to Marn or Marn pitched it to this person. But it was decided in the cheat sheet bits, she would come up with this bit where yeah. she would uh, um, utilize her kickboxing. <laughs> and I was like, huh. anyway, I'm I'm not in the room, but I could hear it. <laughs> and it was you just, should... <laughs> and you could hear her out there going, hey, 
and it went on and it went on and i'm like what in the head it was sort of that's all you heard you didn't really hear anything else you didn't hear any laughter you didn't hear and then and then it ended and there was kind of i think there was applause i'm not sure oh my gosh was there any lead into that or was it just just... it was the only time she ever did it and i and i don't know if i played a part in it i don't know if i said to marn we can never let that happen again or (laughs) i don't remember exactly but it never it never did uh happen again (laughs) Hey, hey now joshua when you did that outside gig um at the lutheran church there was an interesting cheat sheet bit wasn't there Oh, there was an interesting moment during that. So essentially, uh, we get, I want to say, about a third way through the show. We haven't even gotten to the intermission yet. And I can't remember, I don't. I, di- I can't recall the actress's name. But essentially, one of us uh, starts doing the confession, the end of show confession, <laughs> at about, about 35 minutes, maybe 30 minutes in to the show. Uh, and we, I don't actually know how no one in the audience caught that it was the confession because she literally said, okay, I admit it. I did it. I poisoned his drink when I went to the hallway and we're all standing there on stage next door, just going, uh, what do we do? Oh, that's how you're incriminating yourself a little bit, aren't you? <laughs> and we just kind of moved on past it. The sh- most shocking bit is only about five people at the end guessed that she was the murderer, even though she outright confessed to, to doing it about 20 minutes into the show. I'm always shocked when people don't realize what has gone wrong, because, you know, from an actor's perspective, it seems like it's just the most obvious thing when things go wrong. I think part- and then the audience is just like, oh, that was a great show. Thanks so much, guys. Oh, you're hilarious. <laughs> I think part of it, I think for us and why we why people like what we do so much, I think part of the reason people don't uh, realize anything went wrong in our shows is because of we, we ad lib so much mm-hmm. and we play on the mistakes to the point of people sometimes think maybe that's intentional. It was part of the script. So I think that's why people don't pick up on that stuff because of the, the, the style of our show. I think people think that was part of it. Well, what they don't know can't hurt them. So that's, I, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you guys two funny stories of what I think is funny. The look on your face, Joshua, when I said, uh, now you're going to be doing the amazing Alexander but tonight it's a different detective and you, and you're, you just went, oh, what? And I said, <laughs> I said, yeah, but you'll be fine. And of course they do it differently, but, um, and, and you did a great job, but just the look on your face of like, oh, here, you know, I got this down. I'm good to go. And now it's a different oh, detective right. <laughs> and a different situation. Changing it up on me. Yeah. And then the look on Nick's face when Nick goes, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't have anybody to play. Uh, what's the character's name, Nick? Melvin? No. Melvin. Yeah, Melvin. I don't have anybody to play uh, Melvin. And I said, I think Joshua can do it. And Nick goes, (gasps) he goes, the new guy? I'm pretty sure that was over the phone, so I don't think I made that face. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I know you well enough to know when you go, (gasps) what your face is probably looking like. But anyway, um, 
Yeah, and I said, no, I think he can do it. He'll learn the script. He likes scripts. <laughs> As a matter of fact, that first show you did with us, Joshua, I think was kind of hard because wasn't that mystery in the toy shop and something happened where we didn't, we weren't sticking to the script. I, we usually stick yeah, to the, the script in the kids shows, but something weird happened. It was something like we had two different versions of the same script floating around. Oh, and, yeah. uh, oh I, that old problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that has happened. No, that's happened on more than one occasion where somebody has an old script and it's like why are they saying that well there you have it and another exciting exchange with our guest of the day moving on to our another one of our favorite segments which of course is the mini mystery so let's start with the solution to last episode's mini mystery death Backstage. Why was Professor Fordney sure it was not a suicide? If you will remember, according to the policeman, Sergeant Reynolds, there were no fingerprints on the gun which killed Claudia Mason. She could not have shot herself in the temple and then wiped off the revolver. But crying out loud, the murderer neglected to get her fingerprints on the gun. And now, uh, let's move on to this episode's mystery, Murder in the Swamp. And so the cast today will be Marn is the narrator, Bob will be played by Joshua, and I will be Professor Fordney. So here we go with Murder in the Swamp. We'd better walk along the edge said Professor Fordney as he and Bob started down the only path leading through the swamp. I never thought of that. I was on the porch when Barton left. Ten minutes later, I heard a shot. I ran down the path and found them about 500 yards from the house, bleeding terribly from a wound in the head. I dashed back for the first aid kit and bandaged him as best as I could, but he died shortly afterwards. And then I returned and telephoned you. Reaching the body of Barton, Bob explained, I turned him over so I could dress his head. Hmm. He must have been shot from over there because those three sets of footprints are yours and the other one's Barton's. Let's look in that underbrush. Hmm. Here's where the murderer must have stood, yes. See those uh, powder marks on those leaves? Oh, ah. While removing the branch, Fordney cut his finger. Better sterilize that, Professor. Back at the cottage, as the Professor was about to pick up mercurochrome bottle from the kit Bob had used, he observed a spot of blood on the label. Walking over to the basin, he saw Bob in the mirror above it, furtively slip a pair of scissors into the kit. Turning slowly around, the professor said, I'll have to hold you on suspicion of murder. There you go. Why is Fordney so sure that Bob is the murderer? I don't know. Let's wait until the next episode to find out. But that will wrap it up for today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks to everyone for joining us. Joshua, Marn. Thank you. Woohoo! And remember, just say yes. Exactly. Just say yes to the next podcast from Adam's Mystery Playhouse. <laughs> <laughs>